The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Great to be with you. Midweek editions here at Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel are powered by... Heard at Sports can find us and follow us on social media. The Hale Varsity YouTube channel can watch the show that way. Can also find us on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Numbers to get in 489 1240, 489 1240, 800 825 5865. Wherever you hear us across the Hale Varsity Radio Network. You can find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal and at Schmidt underscore radio for me, Chris Schmidt. Mike Babcock joins us here in about 20 minutes from Hale Varsity. We'll spend some time with Evan Bland and plenty of room for you to get in. It is the midweek edition. It is midterm discussion time. And uh, we are at the midway point. So we'll get some grades out. We've done some grading on specific games, but as you look at the first six and you kind of project to the next six, it'll be pretty intriguing with how Nebraska ends their uh, season slash semester. Elijah, you to me didn't strike me as a fella that had many problems academically. You, I'm sure, put the work in. Some of it might have come easy for you, but there was never any Reference to Spies Like Us, great mid-80s movie where you had two dingbats, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, trying to get into the FBI or CIA. I forget which one it was. But they were two pigeons sent into Russia uh, during the Cold War, and they were picked out because uh, Chevy Chase rolled in with a full, I think, left arm cast complete with eye patch. And that's where he was storing his answers for the test. Mm. And it was... <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with this. It was quite clear that he, uh, he would pull the eye patch out, kind of focus, get the answer. He'd pull a, a, a strip out of, of answers from his cast. Video cameras caught it all. And these are the two guys we can send in to, uh, to Russia as decoys and uh, hilarity ensued uh, pretty good underrated movie so listen I, I there's there's no cheating for Nebraska they're gonna earn uh, their way to six or better or less than six and it'll be somewhat of a disappointment but when we we talk grades and look at this team I'm I'm at a bit of a tug of war on I'm not a big style points guy I mean I've always appreciated physical football and and just pounding away and winning the winning the ball game, and I've come to understand what it is in the Big Ten, and that's how you live life in the West specifically. Uh, if you do blow somebody out, it is those body blows Matt Rule talks a lot about that open things up in the fourth quarter. And based on Nebraska being so wounded, and and how many new faces you've seen on both sides of the football, I don't think it's. I don't think you need to complain about what it looked like. Yet I've done a lot of complaining about what it's looked like because when when you have chances to, to bury someone, 
that's that's not happened for Nebraska because they they've they've made mistakes, they've committed penalties, there's been turnovers, there's been some what the heck's going on with some of the play calling? Why can't Nebraska hold on to the football? There's all of that to it. And then I go, well, they are going to have to play a lot of freshmen at wide receiver here moving forward. Your offensive line, I you can say is better, or at least they feel, all right, this is what you do best. Let's uh, let's do a power run game. Let's get Piper pulling and, and try and get downhill with a run game. I, I appreciate that. They're running some option at the suggestion of some really, really good smart football people, Ron Brown, Coach Osborne, and they're using the skills they have to use. And it still is is a work in progress. That's okay. So they've adapted. They're not stubborn with, here's what I want to do offensively. And uh, it's it's not Whipple ball, per se. It's 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 adjusted to, to what the, the, the players can do or – at least sticking within that philosophy of being a physical uh, run-first football team to, to win ball games. That's the ultimate goal. And as they say, to was said to me by a professor, C's get degrees, Schmidt, uh, that degree being a postseason bowl game. Uh, I, I think Nebraska's on the right track. You look at the next six, and it's it's doable. It's absolutely doable when you look at matching things up and – Nebraska's approach being one game at a time. So uh, academically, right, as we look at the football field, the four quarters and where Nebraska's at right now could be a lot worse. It's been a lot worse when you look at past seasons at this moment. This moment being 500, do you take the right turn or do you get lost taking a wrong turn when you have a chance to to build on a 3-3 three and three record? Yeah, and uh, quickly, I just want to get back We'll we'll get back into football here in a second, but you you let it off by saying you didn't strike me as somebody who who cheated much, if at all. No, I I said you didn't strike me as somebody that that struggled in school. No, no, I I, I didn't. There, I didn't there's say, one tip I didn't I have. say I didn't say Elijah had had Sharpie work on. Gee, Elijah, you're wearing a long sleeve shirt today. It's 200 degrees outside. Yeah, you know, I'm just cognizant of the uh, the, the the UV rays. Cheat smarter. Cheat smarter. Here's the thing. This is for any maybe high school students out there. You've Hold got, on. You've got you're, 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 going, you're going to. It's barely cheating. <laughs> <laughs> it's barely cheating. Okay. Here's the thing, and maybe maybe Junior could use this. Has he seen calculus yet or pre-calc or anything? He is like that? doing. Uh, he's doing AP physics. Okay. Yeah. So this would help him. Um, there, he is very selective with who he sits by. I assume, to completely rat him out. No, no, no. Here's the thing. Does he have a graphing calculator, I assume? I assume they still use those in oh, high no, school. man. I use my kid, but I don't see him that much. I, <laughs> we're going to skip past that. I, uh, I I discovered on a graphing calculator back in high school, and I'm not sure if it was a discovery. That, that you can draw up offensive plays? No, 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 no. Well, you can. You can. But I digress. There's You can, you can plot multiple different equations at the same time. It'll graph it out. And I learned back in high school that the – the graphing calculator has memory. So what you could do is you could take all the equations you would need for a math test or a physics test or what have you and plug them into your calculator. But before you run the equations, you just shut the graphing calculator off. Because what teachers would do is they'd check and make sure you didn't write on like the cover of your graphing calculator or anywhere on your graphing calculator. What they didn't ask you to do was to turn it on and go to the equations that you had ready to go before graphing. So I learned that you could quickly at the beginning of a test, turn on your calculator, and boom, there's all the equations you need on that test. Write them at the top of your paper, and then you could clear it out. 
no evidence okay. of cheating. Okay, so, so you, you just memorize so the equations to write. You went open book without it technically being an open book test. A little bit. You'd still have to know how to use the equations, mm-hmm. but it was a lot easier because what I always struggled with was like, man, I don't, I don't remember learning this. What equation did I, did I need to use here? You could just have those equations ready to go at the top of your page. It wasn't really cheating because you still had to know how to do the math. But if you had the equation, it made it a hell of a lot easier. Sure. There, there's my advice out there to anyone who's in calculus or get, pre-calculus. Take a loan out, get a graphing calculator, and, and there you go. I actually found my graphing calculator in the, in the locker room at school one time, and nobody claimed it. So I went, I guess I just got myself a free graphing calculator, which was awesome. Um, but I digress. Back to football here. Brett says we need cards. to stick to sports versus talking about schooling and testing and, and all of that. Thank you, Brett. Chris at Hale Varsity. Dot com is is where you can email. That, that was me being for the kids. I'm helping out all our all our high the school. The best thing was was to, to watch the, the the one kid in class who <clears throat> could drive before anybody else. Mm. Right, and what I mean by that is that you had one or two buddies that maybe got to drive to school in eighth grade because he was a year or two older, or they had that uh, that permit that was oh they can just drive to school and back, but they never. No, he lived in town. He lived in town. Well, there's some people they, they would get the there's a, a couple in town exceptions that they give out. Sure. Well, or, and there's also some people that have parents the, that just the, give the, out some exceptions too. <laughs> well, the, the kid got held back a couple times, but he was always pretty glorious at writing in, in number two pencil on said desk at Irving Junior High. Mm. So, you know, Herbie Hancock. I mean, think of Tommy Boy with the uh, the answers to the test and then that number two pencil would just rub right off of your desk if the teacher came by mm. wasn't me mm. and i'm not writing him out by name but it was pretty fun to watch him go to work right before test time also probably pretty fun when the teacher stands up at the front of the room to see him immediately going down scrubbing away at his desk mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah clearly no there's nothing insidious going he on was there. A, a pretty uh, vicious nose picker so teacher wasn't going near him <laughs> teacher was not going near him with what was on the desk uh when we talk uh, about some of the grades in, in nebraska listen I think if, if we're going to put a a grade, a letter on, on the offense for the first six games, I, I'm, right at, I'm right at that C, and then I jump them a plus. I jump them a plus. I give them a C plus just because of the entire injury situation. I look at where Nebraska's at from a standpoint of who they've lost, what we thought they'd have offensively going in, and the turnover issues with 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 Grant have been problematic. Uh, some of the the issues at quarterback pre injury were problematic. So you could make a tough argument that Nebraska is a four and two football team, or they're right where they need to be at three and three. Uh, defensively, I think they're they're right there at a B plus. And special teams, I'm I'm going to give them a. A C plus, too many missed field goals for me. But I'm short and sweet with with kind of the why with my grades. I I think you got to really take a hard look at at what they've been dealt on offense. The fact that they've hunkered down and said this is how we're going to try and win, and, and that works. Uh, Eventually, they've, they've been the, a strong team in the fourth quarter with the exception of that Michigan game, and that's also the outlier and caveat. And moving forward, I think you're going to see a guy in Harburg, if, if he keeps the starting job and keeps earning the starting job, uh, manage the offense, maybe get better as a thrower. I mean, he could go the other way. I just think, as we've seen him through these starts, they've, they've leaned on what he does well, 
And while it's not consistent, he's shown the ability to throw the football. Now, against some other defenses he'll face, it's, it's going to have to be more consistent throwing the football. But I think you can find a guy like Fedoni. I look more for a Fleeks to step up. And I think if Grant's going to be able to earn some trust, I like, I like the check down to Grant. I mean, it doesn't have to be super exotic with how you get four yards on first down. I think if they do that and hold on to the football and take advantage of a defense that their goal is to get more turnovers in the second half while continuing to be a really good tackling team and tough against the run, I think Nebraska could could do as much as seven uh, by the time uh, we get to that first part of December. Mm, well, it's, uh, that's, that's optimistic, It's optimistic, yes. It is optimistic. And now I'm going to lay out my grades here real fast just to, to, to kind of compare them to yours. I'm going to start with the offense. And you gave him a C-plus, correct? Too generous? I think it's a little generous. I'm, I'm sitting more on the, uh, the C-minus. Okay. Because C-minus is still passing. Yeah, you got to retake the class. Depends. No, no, no. Most of them, it's uh, it's. I I did. <laughs> I thought D D plus was retake the class. If you could skirt it up to a C minus, you were fine. I could be wrong there. Um, I never really had to deal with many C's yeah, in, my, exactly. in my in my career. I had to throw that in there. Um, <laughs> C minus though. Simply put, the Husker offense hasn't won any of your your three games that you've won this year. They've done enough to 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 give your defense a chance to to win. And have they lost you some? They have lost you some. Yes, they have. They haven't won yet any. And you could make the argument they won you Northern Illinois, but hey, your defense only allowed seven points against Northern Illinois. Uh, they did really well that game. You could say the same about the uh, the Illinois game, Louisiana Tech. Those are performances that your defense led the way in, and your offense did enough to go get the win in a game that you're probably expected to go out and win. So for that reason, I'll give them a C-. There's still some issues with penalties, still lots of issues with turnovers. The red zone efficiency hasn't been good. The third down efficiency hasn't been good. I'm just going to be real and give them a C-. That being said, I mean, the Iowas and Wisconsins of the world made a hell of a lot of bowl games with mm-hmm. C- to C offenses over the past 15 to 20 years. Let's so. say D offenses. Uh, you, Iowa was a D offense last year. D, D, D plus, D. We'll give it a D. They made a bowl game, though. And Nebraska can make a bowl game this year with the C-minus offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wonder what they can get fixed during the, the bye week here. But what's nice is Nebraska, I'm agreeing with you. A B-plus defense, I think, is a very fair rating. If they didn't lay such an egg against Michigan, which a lot of defenses are going to lay an egg against Michigan, that's how good Michigan is this year, I think you could be looking in that A-minus category maybe even an a category with how well that defense has been playing the second half against colorado in the michigan game i think bring it down to a, a b plus for me but that being said your defense has given you a chance in every single game that you've played this year aside from maybe the michigan game and again as i said michigan's gonna do that to a lot of people i think you have to set that one to the side and then special teams it's been has, hasn't been a detractor to your team thus far this year uh, aside from the, the kicking game, but you went and got yourself an extra possession against Minnesota, mm-hmm. uh, and you, your tackling has been really solid on kickoff and uh, and your 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 punt coverage as well. So it hasn't been a detractor. I'll give it a B. Hasn't been perfect. It hasn't been a, a big plus for you, but it hasn't been a minus either. And I think B is pretty middle of the road for that. There, I could see an argument for a B minus, but that's what I'll lay it out. The defense gets a a, a B plus. Special teams gets a B minus to a B, and the offense gets a C minus. Listen, you've seen development. You've seen guys that maybe you you heard about in a recruiting signing day special get on the field and perform. You've seen uh, some walk-ons wow because of development, because of usage. There are lots of choices on defense. Uh, They have won a couple of ball games 
or tried to get through a couple of ball games without Reimer, who's a big, big piece. Uh, you have Singleton that you, you want back, but they've survived a road game at Illinois without him. And you also have to look at the fact that you are seeing guys play at a level you've not seen them play before. That's Buda Wright. That's Nash Hutmacher. That's Nick Henrich. Just three that come to my mind defensively. Super impressive. We'll get Mike Badcock's thoughts from Hale Varsity next on this midterm report card. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Herdad Sports. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Mike Babcock with us. Mr. Husker Football. Get your uh, subscription with Babbers and his bi-weekly newsletter. Mike B. at HerdadSports.com. Uh, get an email sent and get the, the history and the uh, preview from Mike at MD Babs on Twitter. Mr. Babbers, got the old sun shining through in the football office. How you doing? Yeah, it's good. I was trying to take, uh, think if I could have used Elijah's uh, help on uh, calculus, but I remember back when I was in high school, you know, get out of the horse and carriage. And, uh, <laughs> we didn't have calculus. I didn't take that till I was a freshman at York College. Well, I, I love it. And uh, it, it should be noted that I made it through a semester of calculus and then dropped it for second semester. So. So I wasn't very good at it. That's that's why I had to to get creative to to make it through a couple of tests. That was not my cup of tea. Well, let, let's let's dive in, Mike. As we've kind of laid out our grades, what what overall do you give Nebraska? Do you give them anything higher than a C at three and three, or do you take into context what they've gone through and and that it is a year one and the way the year started? Well, I, I would say a C overall and those things that you mentioned would factor into my decision to give that grade. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that this team had the capability to at least be four and two at this point. Mm -hmm. And possibly that, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to say, I don't say beyond that. I think four and two, what reasonably I could have expected this team to be. Um, And, and some of the reason that it's C is because of the things that you said. Injuries play a part in it. First season plays a part in it. New system plays a part in it. But nonetheless, the overall grade, I take all, all of these things into consideration. I, I, I say C. Okay. C's fair. And we'll get uh, an outlook for the, the, the next six. But what, what are you encouraged with? Uh, on this squad with this football team, what what's impressed you here through six? Well, you know, I've been impressed with if what Matt Rule has told us is correct, that the team has maintained its course despite the things, the injuries, the, the problems that they've had. They've stayed the course. They've taken the approach win, go 1-0, and and improve each week. If that focus is really there, I think that's a positive. And I don't think you can ask for more in a first season under a new coach in a new system than if you maintain development, you get better each week, despite the injuries, you overcome those things and you keep moving forward. That's the thing that 
that has been a positive from my point of view. Um, all we see is on the field and what Coach Rule tells us, but I think it's a work in progress, and I think this team is. I, I think development is the is the the byword or or the uh, the direction that they're going. The one question I have is in this day and age with NIL and the transfer portal, can you develop a team? Can you bring players in with talent and develop them? Or if they're not getting an opportunity to play, are they going to get in the transfer portal and leave? And that, that's the one thing that, that would concern me about that. You probably have to do the same thing, get in the transfer portal and bring in guys. It's Mike Bab, excuse me, Mike Babcock here with us, Hale Varsity Radio on a Wednesday. Mike joining us for his usual segment. And Mike, whenever you you think about your your midseason report card, what do you think Nebraska can do with their grades? I guess whenever you get that report card back at at the end of your your first quarter of the school, year, a lot of times kids sit down with the parents and say, "All right, we need to get better here. You know what? We'll take a C plus here if you can get this grade to an A." What does Nebraska need to be by the end of the year? If you're sitting down with the Husker football, the art team of negotiation and, here, and, and saying this is what it is, but we could really get a lot better here. I think you could put in some more hours studying. Where can Nebraska be better by the end of the year on your report card? Well, I think the offense can be better on my report card, and I kind of. My grade is probably in the range of where yours is, Elijah. I mean, C minus is probably where I'm looking at it. And again, I'm taking into consideration, I'm probably dropping it a little bit because there have been injuries and you have to play through those things. But uh, I think that I think the offense can be can be better. Um, I think you've got an opportunity in the second half of the season particularly with the first three games of the second half, to put yourself in a position to be bowl eligible. That's the thing. I, I think for the long range, bowl eligibility is what is the expectation for this, this, this team. That's what it needs to be. And whether that's six and six or seven and five, and I tend to think it's gonna be six and six if, if you get to that point, um, it's going to rely on some improvement on the offensive side of the ball because I think that you're getting a good deal out of your defense. I don't know that you can get a whole lot more out of this defense. Um, and you've got, you know, Singleton and now he's gone. Reimer hasn't been playing because he's been hurt. Um, you've had some things on defense as well that you've had to deal with. But I think that the defense has been pretty good. Um, I think the special teams can be better. Um, but I see I see it reflected in the record, the potential to be six and six. And it has to happen, I think, fairly quickly because that la the last three games are more of a challenge, obviously, than the first three in that last six. Mike Babcock's with us from Hale Varsity at MD Babs on Twitter. Mike, do you worry about the defense wilting down the stretch as much as they've done lifting wise already uh no i i don't because i see very committed guys and um again if you can get a little bit of improvement on the offense and you're not turning the ball over and you're not putting the defense back out on the field as much you have an opportunity to uh, uh continue i think playing at a pretty high level 
in order for Nebraska, again, to get to that goal, that bowl game thing, the defense has to be able to, to hold up, I think. And, and I, think it, I think it will. I think it will, unless the offense is turning the ball over and, and putting the defense back out there time after time after time. Mike, whenever you, you look at the, the first six games, are you willing to give me an offensive and defensive MVP from your, your first six? I think there's some good candidates defensively. Offensively, maybe not as much in terms of an MVP candidate, but who do you have right now? And as a follow-up to that, do you think those MVP candidates will remain the same by the end of the year? Um, defensively, I would have a hard time picking one person because I think that, the, you know, that's the point is it's a team effort. And I think you're getting good play from a, a lot of guys on that defense. And I wouldn't pick one out mm. because I think that that's not the way the defense needs to play. Mm. The offense, I'm kind of, it sounds like I'm avoiding your question. I'm really not in my mind. I'm not, but uh, it probably comes across that way. I don't know that I've seen anybody consistently step up on offense to the point where I can say, yeah, this guy is, uh, he's really getting the job done. I, you know, Harburg has come in and he's done some good things. I think it's still a learning thing for him. Um, I think that if, if uh, Sims were 100% healthy and able to go, I think we'd see some of him and we may down the line. Um, but I would, it would be hard for me to pick out one person on offense to say that consistently from game one to where we are now has consistently gotten the job done for for the uh, for the offense. I think that's a it's a work in progress um, for sure. Mike, get a switch up and get some thoughts on Husker basketball. Fred Hoiberg, a couple minutes here before we got to say goodbye. But Hoiberg in Minneapolis yesterday and his Big Ten media days. And do you feel like Fred's excited i mean coaches got to act excited but i i think the the level of excitement heading into year five seems pretty genuine with what he's got yeah i i, I believe that i think he is excited um i'm still going through the roster trying to learn names of the new players and and how things fit and i know that uh, tomonaga the fact that he he's back you know that's that's a great thing uh for the team but uh, yeah i think uh coach Coach Hardberg is, is uh, really excited about the potential for what this team can do. And I think, you know, I think it can be very competitive. I mean, I, I'm, I'm expecting that. That's my, that's my belief. That's where my expectation is. But, you know, I guess at this time of year, I always, I'm like everybody else. I have high expectations. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if you're reflecting off the coach, yeah, there's reason to be uh optimistic same way with uh, amy williams and the and the women's team uh you know there's reason for a lot of uh optimism there i think and uh looking forward to seeing how things go in both of these situations mike is it a make or break year for fred hoiberg and the husker basketball squad with just how long he's been around is it the kind of year where you need either a really deep run in the nit or an ncaa tournament appearance what what's at stake this year for husker basketball do you think yeah, I don't have a good sense of that. I would say no. Um, I think that uh, if, if Trev, Al- Trev Alberts believes that he has the right guy, you know, I, I don't think he's going to put that kind of pressure on, on Fred Hoiberg. We certainly aren't going to feel it now. Um, 
you know, if you go through the season and they have a losing record and, you know, things go downhill, uh, you know, possibly you'd look at that. But no, I don't, I don't see that uh, going into the season. I don't, I don't think that's the, a factor. Mike, what's coming up from you, bud, with the newsletter? Um, well, I wrote one this week um, because there is no game. But uh, I get busy on the uh, kind of historical perspective on the Northwestern series. Um, thinking about that uh, catch that uh, Jordan Westerkamp made on the uh, Hail Mary thrown by Ron Kellogg. The third, that seems to stand ten out. Ten years, man. Ten, it's in 10 years. Believe it? Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Wow. Um, that you, was quite the play. Hard to believe, isn't it? Can you believe I was a freshman in high school? Well, I <laughs> feel old You now. were taking a horse and carriage to high school. Like I you. hadn't even made it to calculus class at that point. That's yeah, that good. was still a couple years <laughs> away. And, and Babbers, to his point, was like, yeah, forget calculus. I love it. Mike, <laughs> you be good, and thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate him. There he is, Mr. Husker Football, Mike Babcock. And get that subscription to him. Mike B. at HerdAtSports.com. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Herdat Sports. Big thanks to Mike Babcock. Get the podcast now, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the segments you want, the entire show you like, and uh, go with it that way. Hale Varsity YouTube channel also. We'll get to some of the stream comments. And a reminder to get buckled up using your seatbelt. It saves lives. It prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up, a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Anonymous has sent us a a, a calculus equation, uh, God love him, and uh, has uh, <laughs> thoughts for 2021, right? We talked about Nebraska having this moment in time with a lot of seasons. They all kind of run together, but what do you do at that, that 500 mark? Can you go uh, the right way in that fork in the road, 2021, with – this schedule in 2023 could have gone eight and four, ten and two, uh, with every win a blowout and every close game a loss. And that's what we're going to get into uh, is just kind of the expectations and projections for the second half. Uh, enjoy the journey. I know Coach Rule touched on that. We're going to look ahead a little bit here and what's the potential for 2023. Uh, this second half of the season. And if you talk to folks that are plugged in with your friends in the desert, I mean, you've got this range of favored by three or maybe a little bit more, but nothing too crazy double-digit wise. Or you're dogged by nothing too crazy double-digit wise. You're talking between three and seven points. You're either favored or dogged. Probably favored in your next two. I think I've seen that early posting anyway, where you're favored over Northwestern, you're favored over Purdue, and you might even be favored over Michigan State or or getting plus two, which is still kind of favored if you think it getting three points at home, which is what Sparty would get. Uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, Maryland, different story, but uh, that is as you get into a little bit thicker November. All right, if, if I'm going to pick a breakout guy 
or a guy to emerge. He did it in the first half, and he's going to be vital for this offense. In the second half is going to be Thomas Fedoni. If I'm going to give an MVP nod so far, it has been Har- it has been Harburg at quarterback. And, and I know it's not been perfect. It's not been beautiful all the time. But I think the toughness and the get or done has been very real with this offense. So that's who I'd give it to right now on offense. Defensively, I say give me Nash because of how well Nebraska's been. And it's been Nash and, and everybody. It's, it's been a, a, a team effort on defense. It's been kind of one group versus one guy. And I, I totally agree with Mike Babcock. But if I'm picking a person, it's going to be Nash with how he set the tone in the middle. Came up huge, clearly, uh, with his uh, brute force on the interior. He's a big reason Nebraska's been so good against the run. And, and I like Nash. I think Gifford has played really good football as well. And uh, those are kind of the the two candidates I have for my MVP. And uh, as far as breakout goes, I'm I'm a little torn, but I think you could see a guy like like Lenhart really catch some fire after a really good early start, got sidetracked with the injury, and I think he could really have a big second half. He'll need to uh, against uh, Maryland, (laughs) and he'll need to with uh, with what Purdue has on offense. I mean, they're, they're not what they've been under Brom, but they're going to still throw the football around. So Nebraska's pass rush is going to be important. Okay, now i got to go find my uh, – the offensive MVP, as Mike kind of said, yes. <laughs> there's, there's not zero point zero, Mr. Blutarski. doesn't feel like there's any right answers there. Um so let's start defensively. I'll get to offense here. You start with the positives. I'll start with the positives. Defensively, uh, a guy who I think has been the MVP quietly under the radar, which I think is a, a really big sign at that position, has been Quentin Newsom. You don't see the ball getting thrown Quentin Newsom's way he's just, all that often. He's just great. He's just really, really good, and that's why you see guys like Hartzog and whenever Tommy Hill comes in, he, they've been targeted a good amount because I think what you're seeing is Quentin Newsom's really locking down his man, locking down his side of the field. I mean, the the worst game Newsom had is probably Colorado, and even then I, I remember I off the top really of my head. Good. I think it was three completions he allowed that game three or four and that was probably the worst game that I remember him playing so uh, I'm gonna go with Newsom being my guy defensively Huttmacher is a great choice I don't think you can go wrong between those two and then the breakout guy defensively that I have seen that you'd like to see back sooner rather than later has been Deshaun Singleton amen he has been fantastic at that back end through the first six games and there's a lot of concerns with Miles Farmer leaving the the squad right before the season started you go what's Nebraska going to do well Singleton has has stepped in and stepped up and been I think playing better this year than we've seen from Miles Farmer in recent years and you don't know what Miles Farmer is going to be this year but Singleton has been a, a breath of fresh air at that back end he's been my breakout guy you hope you can have him back if not I love the uh, the Cam Linhart answer and then Prince will as well depending on his injury injury status mm-hmm. as well. He's been really, really good off the edge as a pass rusher. So uh, I think you have a lot of breakout candidates for the last six games on that defensive side of the ball. But what I've seen thus far, assuming he gets back from injury sooner rather than later, Singleton's your breakout guy defensively. Offensively, I think your breakout guy is Fedoni, not your MVP. I think he's your breakout candidate through six. And looking at the back half of the schedule, he's going to have to step up big time and be a pass catching threat of in the back six games, because I think you're, you're going to be putting a lot on those freshmen and could one of those freshman wide receivers step up and be a breakout guy. 
yeah, but based on what we've seen through six, I don't think they're the most likely candidates. I think whatever you can get from those guys is going to be a plus, and you want those guys to be all set to go for next year. I, I think Fedoni is going to be a guy. Offensive MVP, and actually I'll add one more. You hope it's, it's, a, it's not a great breakout candidate answer, but based on what we've seen this year, Grant, if he can have a breakout type back six games, final six games compared mm-hmm. to what we've seen in the first six, that being good things for the offense. Not sure how likely that is. Um, Emmett Johnson, I guess, falls in that same category. You just need one of the backs to step Fleeks. up over the past six games. Fleeks works too. But then you get to the MVP offensively. And I sit and back. You, you can say, I don't have one, and that's fine. That's no fun. But. I think you've seen Ethan Piper come on. Um, I don't think he's been your best offensive player, but I think he's probably been your best offensive line with what he can do in space. And I think there's also that that factor of playing next to a guy in Corcoran and I don't mean to, to bemoan Corcoran but you got a tough job whenever you got a guy who is really struggling at that left tackle mm-hmm. spot it makes your job as a left guard a little bit more difficult so maybe I'll, I'll go with Piper he's been steady at that left guard spot hasn't been perfect but he's at least been steady and you can see what he does whenever he gets out and he's the lead blocker pulling in space he's been very very good there so Piper is a candidate and then Maybe you go to Harbor, but I don't think anything about Harbor's performance has been MVP worthy. It's just he's come in and steadied the ship at the quarterback spot. I think he's made some plays. He's not made every play, but he's made a- enough plays uh, with what he's been asked to do that can get him better. And I think Brandon actually has a great we, – we have Cutter's comments. Yeah, Brandon Cutter, says yeah. Marcus Washington has been an offensive MVP That's a great take. It's too bad he's out. It's, just, it's hard to put him down now knowing he's not going to be in the last six games. But, yeah, sure, actually, Marcus Washington maybe has been your best offensive player. Well, Cutter chimes in, says the uh, Nebraska's headed in the right direction, have to continue to develop the talent and keep them at Nebraska. Totally agree. Downfall of Frost was retention, rate of players, worse than the Big Ten. That's the formula. Got to keep dudes here, and you got to get them better. Mike's point was incredible with, you know, in today's portal era, are you going to get kids to stick around long enough to, to play? And, and that key timeline is your redshirt freshman year. What are you doing by year two? Well, wind down our one. It's Hale Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this first hour, Hale Varsity continues. Evan Bland with us in 10 minutes, his take on Nebraska. He also had a chance to catch up with Prince Amukamara a couple weeks ago, so we'll check in with Evan Bland. We'll hear from Fred Hoiberg here at 520, get uh, the mayor's take from Media Days as his outlook for Nebraska basketball, 489-1240, 489-1240, YouTube channel, Hale Varsity or the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Jim emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Does Nebraska have anyone that's first team all Big Ten on either side? No. And uh, no is the answer on offense, and I think I just blew my computer up. So I'll work on that. I could say there's some second or third team potential, uh, and maybe if there's a monster second half of the season – for 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 Newsom and for Nash, they could work their way into first team. But I mean, you've got your usual suspects with Ohio State and uh, what you have with um, with what Penn State's doing on their lines of scrimmage. I mean, it's going to be primarily your three big dogs from the East. As far as a first team All Big Ten quarterback, right now it's Little Tua uh, from a number standpoint. I, I would think. Or, or McCarthy, and I know there's still a lot of 
question marks about McCarthy. How great is he? But, dude, I was watching highlights of him, and they're not asking him to make tough throws. That ain't his fault. Mm-mm. He's just been damn accurate with the football. And I look at Nebraska in the second half, passing-wise, you can throw four-yard passes and get 12 with some yak yards. Well, look at the NFL with Brock Purdy. Does Brock Purdy make many difficult throws? No, but he delivers accurately on time and gets the ball to his playmakers in space with a chance for them to make plays. And some of that, some of that comes down to scheme. Some of that comes down to the playmakers the 49ers have. But let's not act like a lot of NFL teams out there wouldn't like to have Brock Purdy. He doesn't make difficult throws. No, but he doesn't have to. That's not the kind of quarterback they need within that offense, and that's not the kind of quarterback Michigan needs. Could you ask McCarthy to do more and see how it goes? Yeah, sure, but that's probably not your best chance to win. So. Well, Nebraska is asking their quarterback to be a pretty valued part of the run game. And Nebraska has that right now in Harburg. And, and that is something that's, that's been big for this offense, as limited as it's been. His ability to run some options has been pretty key. And, you know, that's, that's something that can, can maybe get better uh, in the second half of the year. What, what are you thinking right now? Are you thinking four and two, two and four? Three and three for the second half? Right now, I think three and three is reasonable. The question becomes if Nebraska gets to that Maryland game and they only have five wins. Well, uh, yeah, that, you, that, need, you, which, which you is, need to sweep. You need to be three and oh going into Maryland. And that's easier said than done. I, I think based on where Nebraska has been over the past couple years, where it looks to me like they're at right now, I think two and one is reasonable. Mm-hmm. And the question to me to get into bowl eligible is can you sting one of Maryland, Wisconsin, or Iowa? I think Iowa might be your best shot followed by Maryland and then Wisconsin after that. I think that's what this year might come down to. And imagine if Nebraska sitting at five and six on Black Friday against Iowa at home. That would be a, a fun game, one of the most fun games in recent memory for Husker football. So we'll see what happens there. But to get back to your original point about first team all conference type honors at the end of the year, st- the standard at in the Big Ten is if you're going to be first team all Big Ten, you need to be a first or second day guy at the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how many of those guys Nebraska has right now. I, I got a lot of mid-round guys, especially defensively, but that's the question. Can someone differentiate themselves as being a day one or day two draft pick? That's what Nebraska needs to get first team all Big yep. Ten. Get a couple of guys on that first, second, or third team offensive line in the near future. Evan Bland on the way. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Hour two's here at Tail Bar City Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, we're powered by Herdad Sports. Evan Bland back with us from the Omaha World Herald. Find him, follow him on Twitter at Evan Bland O W H. Evan, good day for baseball, man. How we doing? Yeah, doing all right. A little rain earlier, but uh, the last little local baseball game of the year can't complain. Yeah, I'm not sure. Good day for baseball is the the verbiage I'd use for. He's today. outside at a baseball game. It's wonderful. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> baseball but, game in October. It's good. Good baseball weather for October. Sure. I think if we qualify it. Right. The the fall is uh, where you want to be uh, ultimately in in baseball. So Evan, we'll we'll dive into some football here. Get some thoughts on Husker baseball and. 
talk about uh, the other prints in just a moment. But want to get your take here, mid mid season point with Nebraska. No, you were up in Champaign and got a chance to look see with Nebraska's bounce back win against the Illini. Beyond that, though, uh, we've kind of dove into some grades and some projections. Uh, with this Nebraska football team, uh, a different path to three and three, but it, it could be worse. And it feels like there's some momentum right now with Nebraska football opposed to past opportunities when Nebraska's sat at 500 at different points of different seasons. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, especially the way they started the year at 0 and 2. You kind of wondered how they'd bounce back, and and they've actually, with the exception of that Michigan game, been pretty good. And so I think if you would have said in August that they'd be three and three at this point, I think that's about right. Uh, maybe you'd swap out uh, Minnesota or Colorado for Illinois, but I think the the, the record's probably what you're looking at. I, I still think this stretch, starting with Northwestern and Purdue and Michigan State, <clears throat> still looks awfully manageable probably is the best way to phrase it um moving forward here but yeah i mean i i think the you know you want to start with maybe the offense like everyone is 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 aware of the injuries that they've gone through at this point and and how limited they are but i think in the big picture they've achieved what they wanted to achieve and, and and that's finding an identity and that's something that nebraska really hasn't had in a number of years and and matt rule can articulate it i think we can articulate it it's it's body blows it's commitment to the run take the occasional deep uh shot downfield and then try to win on third downs and win the turnovers and like that's been a recipe that's kept them in uh, most games to this point i think that's what their recipe is going to be moving forward so that's I would say a win. And then defensively, um, really there's no doubt about it. They're ahead of schedule from what maybe most anticipated going in. They're, they're playing more players. Uh, the, the, some of the guys in that second wave, I think, are really coming along, whether that's Mackay Bayer or you know, Riley Van Poppel or um, you know, Phelan Sanford has, has stepped into that role from Deshaun Singleton. So I think there's a ton of positives in that regard as well. And you know, again, I think you got you got to go back to what was the outlook of this team coming in, and that was six and six ish, make a bowl game, build on that, develop. And I think from that regard, Nebraska is right on track for where it wants to be. Evan, how do you kind of grade it when we talk the curve? The curve being an onslaught of of injuries with a, a key departure at wide receiver in bets. You, you tack in the injuries, you tack in the quarterback situation, you tack in the inconsistency and the turnovers. You do all that math, and, and it's kind of hard. You could argue to to believe you're three and three. Right. I mean, from a grade standpoint, I'd give it an incomplete because it's you just it's hard to say. Like, what would this group look like if it had? Uh, you know, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda and Xavier Betts on the outside, if it had Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson, if if Arik Gilbert had stuck around and found his way onto the field, like what would it all look like? We don't really know. And we know that this is an offense that two months ago was not practicing running the option, and that's <laughs> what they've done at times to figure it out and to stay competitive and win games. And so, you know, I think at this point you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, I, I've, I've said, I think on this show too, like, the quarterback situation, in my opinion, is informed by what the defense has done. And so if you thought going into the year that the defense would take some time, then you want more of a high upside 
quarterback who can generate some quick points. But I think as we've gone along, we've we kind of found that there's more value in more of a high floor guy, and that's what Harburg has provided, where he has taken care of the football. Uh, he's managed the game well. He's gone through his reads. Maybe he's a tick less explosive than what Jeff Sims is uh, with his arm or with his legs. But I think he's fit into what the identity, uh, again, of this program is right now in terms of, of finding a way to win those games. So, um, you know, are they going to win any shootouts? No. I don't think there's anyone who's under that delusion. But um, I think one of the storylines of the second half is going to be how does that next wave of players take advantage of this opportunity? Are we going to look back in a year or two uh, at guys like Malachi Coleman or, or Jalen Lloyd or um, Jaden Doss and, and say, man, that second half of 2023 was when they took off and got some game reps and that really uh, sped up the offense for what it could be in the future. Like that, to me, is one of the more interesting elements of this thing. Is, is you certainly hate to see anybody go down. You feel for those guys on a personal level, but it does sort of kickstart uh, the development of that next wave of guys who have come in under this Matt Rule staff, um, and we'll see how they're able to handle it here right away the rest of the way. It's Evan Bland with us here from the Omaha World Herald, Hale Varsity Radio, and. Evan, whenever you, you, you talk about kind of that development with the young guys, what are you going to be watching for over the last half of the year to see if, if this year one is a, a foundational year for Nebraska in terms of moving forward? So go back to Scott Frost first year. I don't want to bring up Frost too much. I, I say that every single time I bring up Frost probably, but he, he came off the bye week and then finished his year three and two, and one of those losses was a close loss to a very good Ohio State team. The other loss, a close loss to a pretty good Iowa team that year, and a lot of Husker fans felt like Nebraska was, was getting better week in, week out and they were taking steps in the right direction. And in year two, it's a, a disappointing season. And, and that excitement uh, fell away. And I want to get your thoughts on, on how you can quantify over the last six games here the development that Nebraska's making and the strides Nebraska's making. What are you going to be watching for to see if this team is, is getting better in a way that's going to set the foundation for year two, year three, and, and beyond? Well, I, you know, I think what it starts with for me is not apologizing for how you win games like just figure it out and 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 find a way to get those three because if you if you win three more and you're six and six or maybe you win seven there's going to be a lot of excitement and a lot of momentum and that means you're doing something positive moving forward and 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 i think the illinois game was a great example of that where did they play perfect no did they play um above average Uh, maybe not quite honestly i mean they were okay but there were a lot of self-inflicted wounds the two uh fumbles in the red zone um you know they did not play a perfect game but they figured out a way to win and to me that's a huge step forward because how many times in that illinois game was there a mistake made where you thought boy this looks familiar, and here we go again, and, and this is where the thing slips away, and it didn't. And I think that's a, a step in the right direction for this team that, as Matt Rule likes to say, is still learning how to win. So I think that's what the second half is about, is, is learning how to win. And, and do you have to do it? Maybe maybe you have to do it by running more of the option and, and being unconventional with your offense. Um, you know, Do you do it by <clears throat> continuing to rotate? You know, twenty plus guys defensively. Uh, you know, probably. So, like, I think that's where it starts. Is just find a way to win. It doesn't necessarily mean that's what it's going to look like for Nebraska in a year or two. But man, think back. Like, how long has it been since Nebraska's gone into an off season for football where there's been genuine excitement and where you kind of wish like the season would have kept going because they were just getting on a heater. I mean, you probably got to go back to Frost's first year in 2018 down the stretch when they nearly beat Iowa. And it just felt like that offense was taking the big 10 by storm. But uh, you know, the last decade, I mean, there's only been a couple of times really where 
you feel like, uh, yeah, man, I wish the season would have kept going because they they were so much fun to watch and there was so much energy going. So I think if you can achieve that in year one, given where this program has been, man, that's a, a huge win heading into the off season, um, which is another big, obviously, stretch for development and recruiting. Evan Bland with his Omaha World Herald, Hale Varsity Radio at Evan Bland OWH. You just said it, man, and that's so many Nebraska fans nodding right now. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? You you put the outlook in one hand and the either make it stop or man, I hope this thing keeps going. Uh, there's been so many draining, exhausting, uh, disappointing seasons. If you can get it flipped and and keep this keep on the path uh, and and get to a bowl game, uh, it'll be absolutely a success. And and you're right. You said something just a minute ago about not apologizing for a win and. I think part of the, the frustration has been that self-infliction, or a lot of the frustration has been because it, it, it could have been less of a, a, you know, a stress test. <laughs> and, and that's one thing I'm looking forward to in the second half. I love the young guys on defense. I love how well they tackle. I mean, it sounds simple, but they're, they're a party to watch, man, and they fly around. Offensively, they've absolutely had to go John Wayne time and just make do, and I think you can appreciate that. Uh, with uh, just finding finding ways to make it happen, and if it can kind of come together and the, they can keep uh, keep keep chugging, uh, there's there's absolutely some some wins on this schedule. But you just wonder about Nebraska continuing to get in their own way, and you know uh, when we talk about rule and again highlighting the turnovers and the fumbles, do you believe that gets corrected in the second half? Well, the last six or seven years of Nebraska history would say no. Uh, but, but I mean, it can, sure. I mean, Matt Rule talked at length about Anthony Grant in particular uh, on Tuesday, just, you know, five-pointing the football, keeping that tip in so it's not uh, able to get jarred loose as easily by defenders. Like, you can coach a lot of that. Uh, but but as, as Rule said, you know, Grant was a guy who carried the ball a certain way for his entire life. And so you've been doing that for – 15 or 20 years, sometimes that, especially in the moment, you're going to revert to what you know. So that's something that they're continuing to work with him on. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think it's really been much of an issue for Harbor. I mean, he had the strip sack against Northern Illinois to start. He had the, the deep uh, pass intercepted by Illinois that kind of functioned more as a punt. But you don't really look at his situation as being too um, – you know, too troublesome necessarily. So I think you got to cut down on some of the fumbles for sure. And then uh, when you talk about turnover margin, I still think that's the next step for this defense. As good as it's been, it hasn't generated those takeaways. And, you know, as bad as the margin has been, a lot of the takeaways the defense has had have come in garbage time, late against Colorado. Uh, I believe it was late against Louisiana Tech as well. Um, and, and really, the, the Illinois game was the first time since the opener at Minnesota where there were some key takeaways in moments that ended up swinging the game. So I think that's the next step, as good as this defense has been, about getting stops, getting off the field on third down, defending the run. Um, that's sort of the next thing. And it's it's accentuated by the fact that the offense could really use a little bit of extra help, right? Like if, if, if you can, instead of even forcing a punt, like if you can set up the offense – uh, on the plus 40 or, or the opponent's 35 or something, uh, and that can be huge down the stretch in some of these games where I think, again, the line 
uh, for Nebraska in the second half, and most of these games is going to be a single score. And so uh, even one or two of those plays could end up swinging a game and swinging how we view uh, you know, what Nebraska has been after, at the end of the season. It's Evan Bland with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Evan, whenever you look at the, the final six games on the schedule, if Nebraska is to get to six wins in 2023, can you give me a, a couple guys, two or three, that need to step up and play better than they did in the first six games? I mean, we kind of talk about the freshmen making the next step or some of those young guys. Who are some guys specifically, whenever you, you take into account the competition Nebraska is, is going to be playing, that need to step up in order for Nebraska to get to that six-win mark? I mean, I think it's mostly on the offense, to be honest with you. Um, I think Anthony Grant, as we just discussed, like if he can hold on to the ball, like the, the opportunity is right there in front of him, right? Like it's it's him and it's, uh, you know, Josh Fleeks, a converted receiver. It's Emmett Johnson, who's a young player. And then, um, you know, Quentin Ives, who they like long-term, but maybe not necessarily this year as he gets up to speed with the playbook. So I think you know, he's a guy in Nebraska – wants and needs to be a workhorse but you have to be able to trust him you have to uh, have him you know secure that ball um and if he can do that i mean he's as he's shown we saw it last year like the the playmaking ability that he has um just the toughness i think that's somebody that you're going to rely on in the second half um you know from a receiver standpoint i still think there's more out there for billy kemp i mean he had a, couple, a bit of a slow start not all of it necessarily his fault with targets and things like that but um, you know, you've seen what he did at Virginia, nearly 200 career receptions there. He's not the kind of guy who's going to take the top off of a defense, but he, he can find pockets, and, and if you can get him the ball in space, he can make things happen. So I think it, it starts off with some of these skill guys uh, that Nebraska's going to need to rely on because, again, uh, the further we go into this thing, the more obvious it becomes to opposing defenses that you're going to you know, stack the box, make sure Harburg stays in the pocket, and then – it just dare him to beat you through the air. And so I think Nebraska still has players that can can make those plays, but uh, maybe they haven't shown it to this point yet. So I'm, I'm looking at a lot of those skill guys in particular. Maybe the offensive line can take a, a half step up. Step up. I think they've been uh, an improvement from last year as well. But I think there's some talent there. It just needs to emerge when Nebraska needs it in key spots. Evan, real quick, bud, about 30 seconds. Uh, a thought from you on your chat with Prince and Mukamara as you caught up with him uh, during Michigan. Well, he, he was fun. I mean, a lot going on in his life as a retired NFL player. Uh, I would encourage people to read the story about some of the his experiences in the last 10 years. But I thought the thing that was most relevant to today's Nebraska program was just the reminder that you know Prince was still Nebraska's last first-round NFL draft pick in 2011. But his path to Nebraska uh, was as a three-star athlete who changed from a prep running back to a corner. And so I think that he pointed that out as something that, man, that's that's something Nebraska needs to continue to do and do more frequently if it wants to develop players and, and get where it back uh, get back to where it wants to be as far as nationally relevant. Evan Bland with us. Evan, enjoy the Huskers, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for the time. Thanks, guys. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity rolls forward. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal can find the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hale Varsity uh, YouTube channel, Hale Varsity Radio, Twitter. Give that a follow at H Varsity Radio. And a big thanks to Evan Bland for squeezing us in. I don't know if I got to get uh, one of those ring things for uh, even in studio or what, but 
I was saying yesterday, you just have a bad backdrop. You don't want it to be lit from behind, and it's kind of tough in this studio based on where that window is and how we need to be able to see each other. Uh, for the people that, that aren't on the video feed, Schmitty and I, there's a glass in between us to, to not only keep me safe, but to keep Schmitty safe. And, and I don't blame you for not wanting to, to look at me. But, but we also want to be face-to-face, and to do that, there's a window directly behind Schmitty, the... The blinds behind Maybe it. Maybe I can just change are, spots, are but I'm kind of hunkered down. I here. think blackout curtains is the way to go. I've been yeah, saying it. I think if you get fine. blackout curtains, it'll it'll help a lot. Uh, Elijah's going to show up with a leather apron and uh, utensils. Uh, might as well uh, just make it a little bit creepy this October. Dion chimes in. Our offense will not get any better without better players. Well played, Dion. Uh, there's been a lot of hype. Well, hype's probably the wrong word. A lot of belief that there are really good players on this team. They're just young. You've seen it emerge defensively with some snaps and some impact. And now that's part of the intrigue of the second half of the season, right, and is is these young wideouts that they're really high on, but do they do what they're supposed to do? Do they know what they're supposed to know? And you just got to kind of make it work like you've done with the rest of the offense. You're forced to do it now. And, and I don't mean to to – to, to for this to come off poorly against Dion, but like yeah, of course, if you want your team to be better, you need better players. It's just how do you want to go about doing that? Do you want to do it in the transfer portal, or do you want to do it through development? Those, you do, those, you, those, those are the you, two you ways you got to be able to player. lean on development, and you got to find the right kids that'll stick and stay to be developed. That comes back into your evaluation, and, and, and the evaluation you have to evaluate the ceiling of a player. Whenever you look at sure. Nebraska's current starting eleven on 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 the field on Saturdays, what is the ceiling of those guys in terms of those de- their development? You assume a guy like Thomas Fedoni. I mean, there's question marks with the injury, but you assume that the sky is the limit whenever you compare him to a guy like Nate Borgature. That's nothing against Nate Borgature because he's filled his role well this year, but the athletic potential of a guy like Fedoni probably means a higher ceiling. You're more willing to to put in the legwork for development on Fedoni than you would be some other guys in that offense. And that's going to be the question with Matt Rule over the final six games is, is what guys do you think you can develop through the offseason and be key pieces next year? And where do you need to go to the portal? Where do you need a, a younger guy that hasn't got much playing time to step up? These are all the questions the coaching staff is working through. But, yeah, obviously you need better players if you want to have a better offense. That's that's pretty obvious. It's just a question of how do you want to get those better players? Well, and the other part of it, too, is, I mean, it's evaluation in the portal. It's evaluation in uh, in, in high school or JUCO. And you just got to keep them here to to get better. I'll say this. You've not had much ROI on your portal investment. Nebraska went after some guys from name programs. And while they're contributing, they're not starring. They're not wow guys right now. There's still a second half of football left for them to do it. Let's get into some Husker basketball. Fred Hoiberg in Minneapolis yesterday. A little bit... uh, from Fred here is that's just around the corner. I'm not in basketball mode yet. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm excited for it. I can't wait to cover this Nebraska basketball team. We'll obviously keep an eye on Creighton as well because there's uh, high expectations for the Jays. But uh, overall, Fred uh, laid out what he he well, believes. Well, would you feel like you were in more of a basketball mood if Nebraska would have dropped that game to Illinois last week? Oh, completely. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You, you, you slammed the door. Here's what the reality is. If, if Nebraska would have lost to Illinois, people would, would be done with the season. Oh, yeah. yeah we, they're, they're, you'd be in baseball mode. Yeah. We, they, they, were, they were teetering anyway, and I don't blame you from a frustration standpoint, but they lose to Illinois, and they're at two and four. You're out. Talk to me in spring. 
That's talk to me about football in the spring or what's happening in December recruiting-wise. Here's uh, Coach Hoiberg, who's put together a portal roster of uh, some, some, well, some buff, some buff dudes in the paint, and, and Fred really likes this group. Just, uh, you know, first of all, talk about our, uh, our group this year. Really enjoyable group to coach, top to bottom. It's a, um, a team that comes to compete every day. We had a really unique opportunity this summer with a lot of new faces to go to Spain and have a very, uh, very good trip with uh, with a foreign trip you can do once every four years. And just really excited about our group. And, you know, it's, it makes our job a lot easier as coaches when you have a, a, a team that comes prepared to work every day and competes every time they step on the floor. So that's Fred Hoiberg uh, a little bit on this group he has. So. The topic now is momentum. Nebraska ended last season uh, playing good basketball, kind of ran out of time, ran out of wins, and uh, he thinks they're a, a tur- were, could have been a tournament team, but a little bit longer piece here. Yeah, this from- is four and a half minutes. Is that right? Is that what it says? It says four and a half minutes. Yeah, do we want to do that? I don't think so. No. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, after hours session of Hale Varsity Radio may have we'll, that posted. We'll have to pull up the video afterwards because I know I had a, a great look on my face when I saw four and a half minutes there. I'm I sorry about that. I, went, I thought that no was head of the dom. Well, how about we move forward to blending old pieces with some of these new parts he's brought in? It's a very mature group, and it's a team that, uh, you know, is, is, I think last year's group really set the, the, the culture that we needed and really flipped it with Greasel, with Bandamel, with Derek Walker, uh, all being older players. And we've got a very mature group of guys. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you exactly who the one leader of this team is, but it's a team that certainly is led by committee, uh, is, has been a committee-led team. And uh, it, it, as far as blending them together, I mean, it's what – our sport is right now is with the portal with bringing in as many new faces as we do but again when you look at the amount of games that our players have played and started we've got a lot of guys uh, that have started at a high level and you bring those guys together with the players uh, that they're integrated with because you have a culture set uh, you know those guys uh, have come in and and really uh, you know kind of taken it to the next level I think this is again a mature group that I've ever had certainly at Nebraska uh, even going back to my days at Iowa State so you know it's a team that I think will battle through adversity similar to last year's team uh, when you have two starters in the beginning or sorry in the middle of the year that go out you have to have a good culture in order to fight through that adversity and I think this team is built uh, the same way so Hoiberg talking about what he has how he's wanted to build kind of relates back to football because that's a lot of the work coach rule put in first with his football team and despite all the injuries might be an answer as to why they're at least three and three through all of this is the culture that's been built. The culture and the acceptance that guys on that team have within their role, I think, is really important, too. You look at the tight end room. Nate Borgature could be a guy based on the year he had last year and saying, I, I need the ball more. I need more looks over the middle. He's accepted his role as more of a blocking tight end. You know what, Fedoni? He, he's a guy that's more of a threat in the passing game. and You don't hear or at least publicly, you don't hear Nate Borgature complaining about no, his role within the offense. Borgature does his job, and you've also seen Fedoni get really physical when he's been asked to block. And it's not a situation where, yeah, dude, we're going to put you in and just throw you the football. Well, yeah, but you also got to seal that edge, and he likes taking people out when he's asked to block. And he's become 
really pretty good at that. I mean, he, there's not any splash Ethan Piper moments yet of Fedoni, but he has spiked some dudes with that hand-to-hand combat on the edge blocking. So I think both guys have transitioned, to your point, with that off roll or what would you rather be doing versus what you're asked to be and, doing. And you see it on the, the same way defensively as well with defensive backs being willing to come up and, and make some plays, take on some blocks, do the dirty work that's going to allow you to get better run fits for your defense. Like, you know what, Quentin Newsom and you Deshaun the Singleton, well, they're coming man. up and, and exactly, as you said, setting the edge and taking on a block. That's not what defensive backs want to do. Defensive backs want to go get interceptions or turn it to the house and get all the headlines. But you know what? The, the coaching staff trusts you if you can go accept your role and say, I have to set the edge on this play. And you know what? I don't want to take on this six foot six, 330 pound pulling guard, but I have to because it's what the team needs from me. It's an important part of not just being a football team or a basketball team, being on a team sport in general, being able to accept your role and carrying it out at a very high level. Well, Fred gets into that. Fred Hoiberg, some comments from him at Big Ten Media Days. Deep roster and some talent on the roster, but that whole buy-in and role acceptance. We've talked about it with football here for a moment. Fred lays it out for basketball this upcoming season. That is going to be a challenge, but it's a good challenge, uh, you know, for us and a good problem to have is when you have great depth. And, you know, our big thing right now is figuring out the rotation. We had our first inter-squad scrimmage of fall camp last week and we're going to have another one on Thursday and you know that's where you figure out who's going to be in your rotation and early on the rotation may not be the same as it is as you go throughout the year how how that certain players respond to pressure situations on the court you know I'm really mixing the teams pretty much on a daily basis to see who fits with each other uh, the one thing that I think you'll see with this team with the depth is we're going to have a lot of different combinations we can put on the floor we can play smaller more skilled lineups but we can also play big and I think have a chance to be a team that can punish some people, especially on the glass, uh, which we have not had that uh, at my time in Nebraska. But if you throw a lineup out there with Bryce Williams, Jawan Gary, uh, Josiah Alec, Rink Mass, you're going to have a huge group out there uh, that all have a level of physicality to them. Um, so that's the challenge right now is figuring out, you know, not only who starts, which I really could care less about, but more importantly, who's going to finish the game for us. And, you know, again, I, I keep throwing the word mature out, but it is a mature group. And we talk talk a lot about role acceptance and whatever role you have you have to shine and star in that role and uh, and I'm confident our guys will do that well put by Fred Hoiberg and easier said than done but that's part of the coaching part and having the right guys specifically the philosophy Fred was asked about that to end his public time at Big Ten Media Days how do you pick who you go after for and who can fit on this team I talked a lot to our staff about uh, the types of players that we want, the types of players that the Nebraska fan base can get behind. And I talked a lot early in the process last year of that team was going to be a very enjoyable team to watch. And had we stayed healthy, I, I honestly think we had a chance to be a tournament team uh, last year. And, you know, we had Derek Walker out for the first five and then uh, had a really good stretch when we had our starters together after the injuries, went through a tough stretch and then finished the year out really strong. Uh, but it it was a team I think every time we stepped on the floor our fan base uh, could rally behind because of how hard they played diving after balls taking charges uh, really had a defensive identity early in the season uh, with the group that went out there and, and played with a great toughness uh, to them so when you talk to your staff about identifying those types of players I think you know I give our staff a lot of credit for going out there and finding the right guys that are going to continue on uh, with making this fan base very proud so you know now it's about taking
taking the next step. You know, I know it's an important year. It's uh, it's getting into the postseason and having a chance uh, to compete. Uh, you know, for championships. That's what this thing's all about. And you know, this group, I think. Uh, is a team that whatever happens on the floor, they're going to continue to fight and continue to battle. And that's all you can ask your team. So uh, I'm excited about this this group. I'm excited about this year. And, uh, and again, it's a team that I think our fans will, will really enjoy watching. Well, Nebraska trying to, to make a move here in the Big Ten on the hardwood. We'll get a jock talk on the way with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in, it's Hale Varsity, and it's time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Nebraska Orthopedic Center, Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. Dr. Brandon, how's uh, fantasy going for you? Who a little rough this year, huh? Definitely a little bit rough at the injury side. How about you guys? Uh, well, you know, uh, things are looking up in a, in a negative way. Uh, from a Well, what I mean by that is everyone that's kicking my butt is losing guys to injury yes. this year that, that in, is, in the NFL. See, that, that's how I feel good because I got Cooper cut back, but at the same time, I'm also the only 0-5 team in my league. Don't feel great about that, but I don't feel as bad as uh, my friend Jacob, who we have $100 in waiver wire every single year to use, and he used $89 of that on Devon Achan. Well, I, I, I usually spend 100 because uh, that ain't free in our league. But Dr. Brandon, uh, Devon Achan uh, is the topic. We kind of burst on the scene for Miami, went off and uh, sustained a knee injury in the win over the Giants last Sunday. Really didn't get much comment on the severity other than it's going to be IR time for him for a, a few weeks. And uh, just and you see it, guys who bust their tail to get climbing the ladder for the depth chart, and then they have a little success, and then they got to kind of pull themselves up by their bootstraps uh, yes, yet again. And uh, tough news here for HN. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, he's had really an amazing kind of breakout season. I think I saw somewhere he's averaged almost 12 yards a game. So pretty amazing the start that he's had. Um, you know, in terms of this injury we're dealing with, you know, they haven't been super forthcoming in terms of what it is. Um, I think there were some subtle hints kind of dropped today that they didn't think it was a super high-grade kind of injury. Um, so it's not sounding something like maybe an ACL, something like a couple weeks of rehab. Um, so we'll take that and run with it a little bit and speculate on what we might think this could be. Um, I would lean more towards, and we talked about this previously, more like an MCL type of sprain is probably a pretty common um, idea or a thought they're entertaining. And so with an MCL sprain, basically you're thinking about the inside part of your knee. It's called the medial collateral ligament. And essentially what happens there to injure that is that knee basically kind of travels towards the inside. You tend to open the inside of that knee up and it stretches that, AC, or excuse me, that MCL out. And then as you look at that and think about, okay, what, what do you do with that? Well, we basically grade it pretty simply, grade one to three. Grade one means you've kind of stretched it some, but as you're feeling the, the ligament on the exam, there's no laxity. As you move into a grade two and you're feeling that test in that ligament, you start to have a little bit of looseness there, but you eventually reach a point where it has a nice stopping or end point to it. And then once you travel into that grade three zone, that's where you basically have completely torn the MCL. There's really not much in the way of that stopping or end point to it. And those are kind of the three grades that are out there. And that would be one of the more common injuries we would see, especially with the mechanism he had. If you start to go further down the line, what are some other op- options here that could be a possibility? Well, one you worry about is you know, common, like a, a deep bone bruise or what we call a cartilage or chondral bruise. That's where you bruise the bone underneath the cartilage. That's another thing that uh, can be pretty painful, pretty traumatic initially, uh, but they do tend to heal pretty quickly in terms of when can you return. 
And so those probably be the two most likely things there since they're not talking about any surgical intervention, at least at this point. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us here at Jock Doc Wednesday talking to Devon Achan and his knee injury. Not quite sure what it is, but we do know he's going on IR, and that's going to keep him out until at least week 11. It would be week 10, but the Dolphins have their bye week, week 10, so it's going to be week 11. And Dr. Brandon, with those couple of injuries you just laid out, does that timetable sound about right that a potential return about six weeks from now could be in the cards? Yeah, yep, absolutely. That sounds very reasonable, um, especially you know as you start to venture into other areas those tend to be more kind of surgically related. So, for example, if this is something like an ACL tear, obviously you'd be talking about surgery already. If this was like a like a true meniscus tear, again, you're talking about surgery already. Um, if it was something like, you know, perhaps maybe a, a PCL sprain, that's what we call the uh, posterior cruciate ligament. That's the big ligament behind the ACL, so kind of a different mechanism, different force to injure that. Um, if it's more of a lower-grade PCL, grade one or two, then potentially it could be that as well, and that could give you kind of one of those six-month return, or excuse me, six-week returns, uh, but a little less likely on the injury spectrum uh, with regard to a PCL. Let's talk about uh, the treatment here. Um, what is prescribed, and and what can HN do while he's healing up uh, to to stay in football shape? Yeah, and so thing here would be about what's his kind of weight-bearing status. Um, and so I would assume he'd be uh, kind of full weight-bearing, but if you start talking about one of those cartilage bruises, then sometimes you'll limit some of that weight-bearing, which then obviously limits some of your cardio. Um, but let's assume this is more ligamentous in nature, he's full weight-bearing. Then you're talking about putting a guy on, you know, start with a stationary bike to start with. You can even do some pool activities, and then of course elliptical is always an option. Um, if it's more on the MCL side, kind of lower-grade MCL side, then he's probably looking at back, you know, jogging in two to four weeks and hopefully again that full return to full competition in about six weeks. It's Dr. Brandon Seifert with us here at Jock Doc Wednesday. And Dr. Brandon, one thing that the, the Dolphins love under Coach McDaniel is the speed. Up until Jamar Chase's touchdown on Sunday, the Dolphins actually had the six fastest speeds of the 2023 NFL season between Tyreek Hill, Devon Achan, and Raheem Mostert. And whenever the, the speed is such a big factor in Devon Achan's game, do you worry about that speed factor whenever he comes back coming off the knee injury? You know, if it's strictly just MCL and maybe more on the, on the cartilage bruise side, then no, his speed should be great. Um, really the only time we start to see, you know, significant impacts on the speed would be more of a hamstring type of injury, um, would be more on the speed. So even a quad injury could cause that. Um, obviously on the, on the cartilage bruise side, you know, at least on the short term, then sure, there's probably going to be a little bit of limitation there in the speed just as he kind of gets back to full strength and gets back to kind of the confidence with it. Cartilage bruises can be quite painful, and so that also can kind of limit your speed. But if you're, you know, looking at it more from a, a long view perspective, shouldn't impact his speed at all, at least from an MCL cartilage bruise type scenario. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. And Dr. Brandon, when we talk about re-injury with this, uh, if it's a lower grade sprain, how likely is it to get hit again and then suffer a kind of a relapse? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, definitely we're talking on the MCL side. Um, it's pretty easy to have a kind of a retweak those first couple of weeks, um, especially it depends obviously on how you're being tackled and, um, you know, somebody's taking some shots at your knee, then sure, that's pretty easy to retweak it. If you don't really have any big kind of shots to the knee, uh, a little less likely on the tweak side, you usually can kind of control that pretty darn well. Um, he'll come back. If it's an MCL, he'll probably come back with a brace, I would imagine, which also can be, you know, effective. 
active in that area. Is it more dangerous from a contact standpoint, or could you have something rise up from a non-contact with, with this spring? Yeah, you know, honestly, you could get it kind of as a combo. Um, when it comes to, you know, MCL sprains, I, I tend to see more of those via contact uh, versus with our ACLs. We tend to actually see more ACL injuries as non-contact, just kind of landing or, you know, cutting awkwardly. Dr. Brandon, uh, last thought here, about 30 seconds. Is there anything fantasy managers should be watching for the next couple weeks to see if A-Chan's going to be back by that week 11? Any sort of timetable for on-field uh, or or contact, I guess, getting back into practice? Yeah, you know, I think if you start to see some of those positive, you know, kind of words coming out of the out of their uh, front office, you know, right on time, you know, timetable looks good, maybe might move up that timetable, and I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, if they start to become a little more conservative, kind of guarded in their assessments, maybe we're thinking more closer to playoff kind of return, then obviously I get a little discouraged by that, and it might be something more significant. You know, if you have an opportunity to kind of view them behind the scenes, if you're seeing him out there, you know, jogging up and down the field here in the next 10 to 14 days, that's a pretty good sign that he's going to be right on pace. Well, we'll get Elijah down to Miami so we can work with Snowflake on the uh, the dolphin pool and <laughs> and spy it out and, and let everyone else know who's got uh, HN on their fantasy squad. Dr. Brandon, thanks for a few minutes today. All right, fellas. Take care. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Well, it's going nuts in the city of brotherly love. Philly on top of Atlanta, 6-1, to one, middle of 5th. We'll have some baseball thoughts tomorrow. The great job at Chamberlain. Going to join us, talk some MLB postseason, some thoughts on Nebraska's fall ball as well. We'll check in with Coach Barnett for Thursday. Brandon Vogel from Counter Reed will join us and uh, get his take with Nebraska's second-half prospects. 489-1240. 489-1240. Eat beef with a kind wish to the board here. I wish everyone a safe harvest this fall. Amen to that. You can always find the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Take us with whatever you're doing, wherever you're at. You can also watch the show on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel and the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed. Give that a follow. Find Elijah on social media at Herbal Essence, uh, Schmidt underscore radio for my handle. But uh, triple play a baseball going with Astros Twins tonight. Going to check that out. And the Dodgers and Diamondbacks. Uh, listener Rick loves him some Diamondbacks. And they're about ready to do in L.A. We'll see as they lead that series 2-0. But been a pretty fascinating baseball season with how things finished out and then who's been hot and who's under-delivered this postseason. Won't lie to you. If, if Houston gets bounced, I'm not going to weep. Kind of like the Twins being an underdog. Atlanta and Philly, the best Two, you could argue this might be your World Series. And uh, you have the Diamondbacks that, you know, a shade over 500. Meanwhile, L.A. is at 162 coming into this thing. So, and then Baltimore got whacked last night. They were a fun club this season. Yeah. But, man, their starting pitching uh, was just atrocious. Their starting pitching ERA was brutal. They weren't ready for the moment, man. You know what's insane? Across the entire season. They didn't get swept once. No, ever. And then they got swept by and the even, Rangers. Even even the Rays. I mean, they got whacked early too. And it's see the the Orioles were my bandwagon postseason team. That's it's, fine. It's the second straight year my bandwagon postseason team has been. Who among in us short have order. not thought about buying an Orioles hat? I mean, me. 
Ever? I, I don't think I've ever. I, I actually, my, my youth baseball team was called the Orioles, so mm-hmm. I had an Orioles hat, but like, not, not a hat. Not the old school with the O and the, 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 the bird face on it? Eh, it's kind of stupid looking. No, it's, I mean, it's stupid for an old guy like me to try and rock. But See, I, I much prefer the people that go rock like the double A hats, the obscure, like. Well, Vogue's got a thousand minor league hats we can talk See, to. Those, those are the ones I like. Yeah, like. The Trash Pandas. I love the Trash Pandas. One of my favorite minor league mascots. I'd rock the hell out of a out of a Trash Pandas hat. Just a giant panda on a ledge. Yeah, but no. Head. Now that the Orioles have been bouncing, I can't be that mad because it's the Rangers. They've been using Creed as their rallying cry all year long. They've been listening to it in the clubhouse to like get themselves fired up. And as somebody who's been on a bit of a, a, a Creed kick recently. Um, I, Have I you watched the, the halftime show? Duh, the Cowboys Broncos yes. Thanksgiving Day halftime yes. show where they're flying around on the uh, what would you call those? The the curtains, the thing? wire. Well, they got like the, the the curtains where the guys flying shirtless He's, through the stadium. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Freaking awesome. Of course, I've seen that. Um, anyway, that's Peter like Peter broke again. That's I can't wonderful. be that mad about the uh, the fact that the. Uh, the the Rangers bounced and I am a little sad so now I got to figure out if I want to watch Maction tonight or or playoff baseball and my team's been built or been bounced we have some great games tonight Schmidt UTEP at Florida International Sam Houston at New Mexico State that just gets the blood pumping right there those two games that's a it's a hell of a night of Maction you know it, it in bad and actually, I don't even know if any of those teams are Mac it, it doesn't no matter. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with MLB to tonight get the podcast check out the show. And back with you tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity, powered by Herd Ant Sports. A Herd Ant Media Production.